everybody. My name is Rupa Subramania and welcome to the Rupa Subramania show. Today, we're going to talk about an important and for many, a very emotional subject. Canada's ever more permissive laws on physician-assisted suicide called MADE, which stands for Medical Assistance in Dying. Our laws here in Canada are way more permissive than most other Western countries, and they could get expanded even further that would include mental illness as the sole underlying condition, and one day even to mature minors. I wrote about MADE last fall for the Free Press. In the story, I spoke to several individuals who are contemplating MADE. One of the most compelling stories I heard was from 23-year-old Keanu Wafayan, who was seeking MAID as he was suffering from type 1 diabetes and vision loss. He was approved for MAID and scheduled to die September 21st, 2022. That is, until his mother, Margaret Marcilla, intervened. Keanu's sister, who had been helping him check his emails because he couldn't see very well, discovered that Keanu had applied and had been approved for MAID. She passed on this information to his mother who confronted the doctor who was going to perform the procedure. Margaret Mursila then took to social media and the resulting backlash prompted the doctor involved to back out completely. This is why Keanu is alive today. To talk about what's going on with Keanu, where he finds himself and what he hopes for the future, it's my pleasure to welcome Keanu Wafayan today to the show. Hi, Keanu. Welcome uh, to the show. Um, it's a real pr pleasure to uh, speak with you. It's great to have you here on the show. Uh, let me just first uh, start by asking Keanu, uh, how are things going with you? Uh, how do you feel these days? I still um, have a lot of pain in my eyes, my both my eyes, my vision in my right eye, which has uh, very little to see is actually getting worse because of the silicone oil inserted. Um, I'm not so hopeful on my eyesight getting any better. And I'm not so hopeful with my diabetes getting any better. I've been doing the bare minimum just to get by and I've been waiting for another chance at medical assistance in dying. Um, so, Keanu, before we get to that, could you tell our uh, viewers and our listeners um, what what your the medic what what are the medical conditions that you're uh, that you you're battling or you've been battling your whole life? Well, I have type one diabetes, and that's been for two decades now. I was diagnosed at four, and I just turned twenty four yesterday on the fourteenth of March. I take insulin injections daily um, and with every meal I, I have. So I try to reduce my meals to once a day to limit my injections. Um, I've made that schedule so that I, I experience less pain, as little pain as possible when, when taking my insulin as well. Uh, my nerve damage in the endings of my hands and the feet especially in the winter time is very painful um, when it's very sensitive to the cold. When I go outside, I don't really feel that it's, it's getting bad. It's really cold. I don't 
feel that, but as soon as I get inside, it's just severe pain from the temperature change. Um, with my eyes, with respect to that, I've had severe retinal detachment in both of my eyes from diabetic retinopathy. And after doing surgery to reattach the retinas, um, in my left eye, it failed to reattach the retina. The doctors failed because there was so much scar tissue. And in my right eye, they managed to reattach the retina, which is being bound by silicone oil. And that does blur my vision because the lens is, is being viewed through that silicone oil. And the doctor said, when the retina is able to hold its own, they can remove it. They may be able to remove it, which would increase my vision. However, after the year mark of my surgery, the doctors evaluated it's not ready to hold its own. We can't remove the silicone oil or it could result in more, uh, more detachment. So with respect to the left eye, as it does not have any function, I experienced uh, neovascular glaucoma. That is when new vessels form in parts of the eye uh, caused by diabetic retinopathy. But because the retina is not attached properly and there is a lack of oxygen and blood to the eye, it makes it very difficult for the eye to properly drain which results in an increased pressure from the, um, the blood vessels, the new vessels being formed in those drainage parts. So as a result of that, I was prescribed monthly eye injections to neutralize those new vessels formed. And I also am prescribed different eye drops uh, four different types of eye drops that I take, um, take about a dozen eye drops per day to manage the pain and symptoms of glaucoma, which is increased pressure, as well as using medicinal cannabis to combat the side effects of those eye drops, which cause nausea, causes a displeasurable taste in my mouth, causes um, decreased appetite from that just icky feeling, uh, sensitivity to light, although I have no perception in the eye. So um, all in all, the eye serves no purpose, but is causing all this damage. So it was recommended to remove the eye, but that detaches me from having some sort of normalcy uh, to my journey and being able to uh, play off as if my eyes are functioning and I'm a normal functioning human being. But no one can really tell from a first glance that I suffer from vision loss. Hmm. How, how old were you, Keanu, when you uh, first started to experience vision loss? I, I believe when we spoke uh, for my story last fall, I believe uh, it your, the vision loss started with your left eye, if I remember, if I remember that correctly. Um, uh, how old were you when, 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 when this started to happen? 
And how did it affect, how did it, how did it, you know, your life obviously just drastically changed suddenly. And how did that, how, can you tell us what was going through you? What was going through your mind? Yes. Well, I first had prescription eyeglasses at a young age <laughs> in, in elementary school, but the, the actual vision loss, which uh, prompted a drastic change in my in my uh, daily activities, my abilities to live independently, was at the age of 21. I I experienced. I think it was uh, June of 2021 when uh, I had a floater where there was a hemorrhage in my retina and blood started to leak in my lens. So for me, it looked like, I called it a dancing lady, a red dancing lady in my vision, mm -hmm. um, but no one could actually see from the outside. So it was very hard to um, address it. I, I was actually very embarrassed to uh, to say the least. At first, it was very troubling to wake up and, and see that uh, floater. I I thought it was my eyelashes in the way, so I'm I'm constantly trying to move my eyelashes and look in the mirror. And I was so flustered. Uh, um, then I was prescribed laser treatment for my eyes, which uh, would have been five treatments on each eye to neutralize those new vessels being formed from diabetic retinopathy. It would decrease my night vision and peripheral vision. However, I only attended for two of those treatments, one on each eye, which resulted in extreme pain. Um, to say the least, I was, I was petrified of the whole experience of smelling uh, the residue from the laser into my eye and it was so discomforting to um, have the lens placed in the socket of my eye. Hmm. And when my parents uh, knew about this procedure, I asked them for their support, uh, especially after my appointment, when I'm out of the procedure and very sensitive to light, unable to see, I felt very weak. However, they, they were not there to assist me with, with getting home in, in, a, in a safe way. So uh, I did not attend the rest of the prescribed treatments from my, from my laser treatment, for my eye. I had to then uh, suffer the consequences when it attacked uh, my other eye and inevitably resulting in complete blurred vision when my retina fully detached in December on both eyes. Mm. So. Um, yeah, I mean, that uh, just sounds uh, horrific. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. You talked about, you talked about uh, all of these medications that you have to take. You have to take these insulin shots. Uh, frequently um, in this, uh, in, you're also in considerable pain every day, especially in the winter. Um, what is what is um, what is a typical day for you like, uh, Keanu, as a 24 year old? 
um, young person living um, uh, just outside of Toronto. Um, you know, what what are your, you know, I just want our viewers and listeners to uh, understand what your struggles are like every every day. Well, to start in the morning, I uh, wake up to test my sugars, my blood sugar. I have a continuous glucose monitor, which is attached to me for two weeks. And that is monitored with the iPhone, with an app on my phone to, um, to have accurate readings minute by minute. So when I wake up, I ensure that I have uh, average glucose in range of four to eight millimoles. And if it's not in that range for whatever reason, and maybe in the middle of the nighttime, I, I went up in sugar, maybe uh, the night before I had too much to eat and not enough insulin. I'll balance out my sugar and, and just rest in bed until it is green. Once I have a leveled sugar, I start my day um, with basic hygiene and um, exercising my service dogs. I ensure that they're fed and they have water after the night. I go outside and let them out. I watch them run around for a bit. And when I get back inside, I really have nothing else to do. I mean, other than letting them out uh, three times a day for the bathroom, playing with them 10 to 30 minutes um, after that bathroom break. I will watch movies and TV shows that have audio description um, in front of a large TV as the vision goggles. Uh, the vision buddy does not, um, it's not very comfortable. And when I wear it for longer periods of time, it disorientates me to the highest degree. I, I'm very dizzy. I'm discombobulated with my balance. I, I have, I sweat a lot from wearing the goggles because they obstruct most of my face. Uh, and if I don't have medicinal cannabis, during the day, I'm allowed to leave for medical emergencies to uh, acquire some cannabis for my pain management. So I'll use my electric scooter, which I shouldn't really be, <laughs> I shouldn't really be using because I can severely hurt myself or someone else. But it, it does get me around because I'm not able to drive and nobody's really helping me. My grandfather is, is quite old. And he's the only licensed driver in the home. So after I've watched movies and TV shows or occupied myself with podcasts during the day, I, I try to maintain that leveled glucose while drinking only water. If my blood sugar does go low from the activities with my service animals or traveling to the medicinal cannabis store, even the doctors, I, I'm allowed to drink some juice to raise my sugar levels, but I refrain from eating anything just so that I don't have to take another shot 
my grandfather is, is disgruntled by this, but he's given up on asking me to join him to eat because he's scheduled for breakfast, lunch, and dinner as a normal person should be. Yeah. But so, uh, so Keanu, um, do you have any, uh, friends, um, we'll come to your, um, mother a little, little later in the show, but, uh, because she, she, you know, she figures quite importantly in everything that happened to you last fall. Um, do you, do you have a girlfriend? Do you have, uh, friends who come and visit you? Um, do you have a social life? Not really. And that's mainly because my wish to die is still, uh, present and my friends who were involved, uh, in my life and my social circle, uh, don't want to, uh, spend any time with me knowing that. I, I want to die and that's what I'm trying to pursue. And if I do ask them for help, uh, um, it's, it's mostly brushed off. Like if I ask them, I need help to get dog food or I need help to go somewhere. It's often with a response of, well, do you still want to die? Like what's your motive here? Mm-hmm. And the response is they don't want to like waste any time with me knowing that, this is what I want to do. So it, it's very disheartening because along the way, I was told to inform everyone in my life about my decision. And my friends uh, who I used to talk to aren't really understanding to any degree of what I go through. Uh, they think that I'm, I'm good looking, I can get girlfriends, but even when I'm on uh, social media apps, dating apps, a lot of um, a lot of my motivation isn't driven towards seeking out a partner to to spend time with, because I have this in my mind that I'm going through so much pain. I can't direct any of my attention away from my diabetes and having a flatline glucose so that I don't experience discomfort. Um, so Keanu, um, so you applied for MAID uh, last year and, uh, and you were eventually approved. Um, can you walk us through the process involved when you applied? Uh, what, was, it, was it hard uh, or was it relatively easy to get the process started? Well, when I first applied in 2022 um it was my second or third call to the coordination service in the beginning of april uh my first call was in 2018 and i was evaluated and it was concluded that the legislation would not permit an assisted death so not only did the legislation change in 2021, but also my condition worsened. After gathering um, a lot of support for my vision loss and and seeking out the best help I can receive, the best treatment I can um, I can find in the world, I returned from the Bascon Palmer Eye Institute and knew that I had to call the Maid Coordination Service because my life would would be burdened with this with this impairment. So 
the coordination service um, had all my information from previous years and they said that a doctor would be in touch with me within one to two weeks that dragged on to the third week when I when I called in and said what's the process looking like where's the, the doctor hasn't contacted me and the response was we've assigned you the same assessor from 2018 and he will be in touch with you uh, I wasn't happy with that answer because I didn't hear anything from the doctor so I looked through my contacts and found his number um, I called him and I hung up immediately because I didn't know what the outcome of the conversation would be so after I guess he received a notification he called me back immediately and notified me that he's not going to proceed with the um, with the application until he receives a psychiatric assessment for capacity. And I was disgruntled by this because I knew that my, uh, my psychiatrist practices at a Catholic hospital. It would be impossible for him to assess me for a procedure that his workplace has policies against this procedure so against I, made I, against made yeah so yeah. I, I voiced that concern and I said where can we find a psychiatrist mm -hmm. I mean the made coordination service doesn't have any um any resources in their database I've been I was calling them and I flustered their lines daily to um to reach this next step in the proceed in the application when um, when the first assessor, Dr. Joshua Tepper, had um, had acknowledged this, he um, he suggested, well, we can find a psychiatrist who uh, also does made uh, procedures, and that would uh, suffice for your second assessor. However, when I was asking the coordination service for that requirement for a psychiatrist to provide me uh, a made assessment, they also fell short on providing me of their resources. They said that there is this doctor we can suggest, her name is uh, blah, blah, blah. And when I asked the doctor, my assessor, he said that she's a conscious objector of track two applicants and I am a track two applicant. So I was frustrated to not only be talking with a psychiatrist that would not actually assist me with my application, but also not find another psychiatrist who could help me. Um, and after, after months of, of getting psychiatric treatment, I constantly would mention made to my psychiatrist. I'm taking my medication that they've prescribed for depression and they, the psychiatrist noted that I'm trying to fulfill enjoyment in my life. I attended music festivals, concerts. Um, I would often go out to the mall with my service dogs. I would walk around 
I wasn't a lump on the log depressed in bed all day. So after noting this for uh, months of psychiatric cons consults, the assessor finally determined that I have medical capacity and he can finally move along to the next process in my application to find a second assessor. I, I was so excited to hear that, but I was also uh, reluctant to get my hopes up because of the lack of resources the coordination service had already pro not provided. Uh, so, sorry to interrupt, Keanu, but, uh, and, and then I want you to pick up where you left off. Um, can you provide us a timeline of uh, when it is that you um, called uh, your the doctor, I believe this was Dr. Joshua Tepper, the uh, first assessor, to the time that uh, to the time where you just where where you know you got, according to you, this good news that there was going to be a second assessor involved. Well, I uh, first spoke with uh, Dr. Tepper when I found his number at the end of April. Twenty twenty two, April twenty. Okay. And um, this is all the while I was being uh, treated for my psychiatric condition of depression. Mm -hmm. And through the uh, consults, there was, a, there was a rocky patch in my living situation. Um, but after that, um, that rocky patch had happened in June of 2022, I believe it was by July 2022, the psychiatrist concluded in his notes uh, sufficient information for the first assessor, Dr. Tepper, to move along with the application. So uh, now we're in July 2022, where I received that the second assessor may be assigned. I was calling the MAID coordinate, coordination service um, relentlessly asking, is there another assessor assigned yet? Is there any news about my application? What can I do to make this process move along? And the response was just like my requests, my calls were falling on deaf ears. I was transferred to this person. This person will call me back. And there was really no, um, no answer for me, no outcome until um, until the doctor even received my uh, my barrage of calls and messages he he I guess kicked something into the maid coordination service there was some sort of um, some sort of resource that uh, flipped the switch and a second assessor reached out to me and when that happened in um, in the middle of July, I believe, we had a, a virtual appointment, which is, is normal after COVID, especially with my disability and inability to, to travel long distances. She um, 
she met me face to face virtually and heard it from my from my own voice that I am requesting for medical assistance in dying. I confirmed my birth date. It was um, that was quite easy, but what she had to do, I guess, was not what they had to do was not um, very straightforward. There was a lot of conversations with my um, my specialist with ophthalmology and endocrinology to gather more um, more information about my conditions and I guess my capacity to control these conditions and deal with them. And again, my my requests, my calls, my messages were falling on deaf ears to both assessors now. And I would have to call the mid-coordination service to actually um, say, hey, you know, the doctors aren't answering me and the doctors, all, all my requests are falling on deaf ears. Can you somehow uh, move the process along? Yeah. And the mid-coordination service would then, I guess, send a message to the doctors, which resulted in a prompt response. Instead, we're still working on it. We're still... Um, I still need to speak with your endocrinologist, for example. That was one of the responses. But, uh, but then when the evaluations were concluded in, in, I believe, August of 2022, I was given the, the green light to start filling out the clinician aid A form. Which, is, which would be considered my written consent for medical assistance in dying. Mm -hmm. And as you know, I, I suffered from uh, vision loss. I wasn't able to actually fill out these forms. So I consulted with an organization, Dying with Dignity, who actually was very helpful in completing these forms and assigning a proxy and a witness to the proxy for my signature and that was also virtually um there's two individuals involved who um who read out everything on the paper uh writ, wrote everything i had verbalized to them on paper and it was all witnessed then after having received those forms uh, digitally I had just forwarded them to the first assessor. And I believe that was the, the document that was discovered through my email dated August 11th. Discovered by your sister who then passed on this information to your mother. Yes. Yes, and your sister, just to, just to let her um, viewers and um, listeners know this, that, um, uh, that you got your sister to help you check your emails because you couldn't see. This was because um, not only for the disability application for important uh, important emails I was receiving from the government, but I would always ask her before signing into my email address. She even asked me, "What's your password again?" So I didn't actually believe she had complete access to my email. And I never asked her to read 
any of those emails uh, involving my medical assistance and dying application, uh, which might I add, all of those uh, emails from physicians were enclosed with a patient privacy policy. Hmm. So it, it was only for me to, to acknowledge and read what was on those, those forms or those messages. And when I submitted that clinician 8A form, the doctor questioned why my signature is not on there. Um, he was, again, very um, thorough in making sure that this was above board. So he agreed that he, I do have a, a, a disability that limits me from completing these forms. He saw that it was um, authorized by a representative dying with dignity. He was aware of the organization and he, he accepted that, that submission of that form. When that happened, uh, we were able to then speak about uh, possible dates and the location it could take place. And I was renting, um, I was renting, or sorry, subleasing a basement apartment in Brampton, Ontario. So I intended that I would have the procedure done there. My this, lease. This was started. in August. This was in August of 2022. Yes. Okay. When Continue. we started discussing dates after the clinician 8A form was received, mm -hmm. um, I told the doctor I want to have it in the comfort of my own home. Uh, my lease is to expire October 1st, so um, preferably before that date, so I can, I can have the accommodations met. And he suggested September 28th or September 22nd. However, I wanted it to be on a sun, like I wanted it to be on a Sunday evening. Uh, however, he said it uh, he usually does this on the weekend in the morning. So, uh, why um, a why a Sunday evening? I wanted to have the weekend to uh, explore my last days. I I had a plan to um, try to enjoy as much as life can offer, and I still have until that appointment date and time to change my mind. So I was trying to accomplish um, some sort of uh, bucket list. And I, I even thought about a gentleman's lounge, going out with all my friends, uh, spending all the money I had to uh, kind of go out with a bank. But uh, he said that September 22 or September 28 works for him. And that would be uh, at my house in Brampton. Um, so, Keanu, just sorry, just uh, just hold that thought. Uh, you said something very interesting a couple of minutes ago. You said that you picked Sunday because you know you wanted to, like you know, just take stock of everything that that was that had happened and was going to happen, and it would also give you an opportunity um, if you were to change your mind. Uh, if you're so sure about medical assistance and dying as the way to go for you, do it, 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 I, 
did you have doubts within you that you may not want to go ahead with the procedure? I didn't have any doubts in my mind. However, um, what I was hearing from everyone else was was doubts. It was you're so good looking. Um, you have so much to bring to the table. You know, you can have so much fun. Life is worth living. And I really wanted to hear what these people were saying. And I wanted to see it for myself. I wanted to actually experience that with those people. Um, so that's why I planned out to, I guess, um, go yeah. out with the bank, spend all my money. And, and maybe along the way, someone or something would have changed my mind. But internally, I had no uh, doubts or fears of this. I was very looking forward to the day. However, my um, my lease was ended from a uh, criminal accusation of the indecent act. So on August 18th of 2022, I was arrested and charged with the indecent act, which ultimately uh, limited my accommodation to be met having it in the comfort of my own home uh, this frustrated me very much so and after telling the doctor everything that had happened uh, I noted that it can't happen here at my grandfather's house my grandfather accepted me in uh, and I told him that it wouldn't it wouldn't fly like the name of the property is not not under my name he would have to give permission to this procedure so i requested for a location where i can receive this procedure with comfort and discretion he suggested a place called the maid house m-a-i-d house where he uh, cc'd me on an email to the coordinator of that organization we were in touch about the same possible date, dates. She also suggested September 22nd and also September 28th. And I chose September 22nd as I did before. And it would be at this, um, this location. I was kind of uh, put off track from my plans. However, um, I readjusted. I found the bus routes, how I would get there. And what my uh, my determination really showed in trying to to reach that date at the maid house. Yeah, this um, conversation that you're having with Dr. Joshua Tepper, uh, your your, um, your this physician, uh, one one of your two assessors, um, where he's uh, we are talking about location, you're talking about dates. Is that is that a face to face conversation? Is that uh, texting? Is it on Zoom? Uh, how were how you communicating with each other? Um, it was a combination of like on the phone, so telephone calls and emails. I don't okay. believe we spoke about this over text message. Um, and I also reiterated that, you know, there might be a breach of private information from my email. Please send me text messages. Please refrain from using this email address. But he also cited that, you know, it, it's not going to hurt to tell my family. I should be informing them every step of the way. 
and knowing their first response to any evidence that I had of my application, I was very reluctant to share the details, especially that it was uh, weeks away and that can, it can, I don't need to have my own, uh, my own residence to do this. I could go to a designated facility and get this treatment discreetly. And um, my family just did not like that idea. The doctor was still messaging, uh, emailing me and, and um, also the coordinator from the maid house was also emailing me about dates. And I thought, what's the worst that can happen? My sister sees the email. What can they possibly do? I already have the approval and the date set with even the clinical itinerary of like, hey, I want to uh, know what the timeline is, what the process is, because I wanted to attend with my service animals. I wanted them to be there. And that accommodation was met. So I was also needing to find someone to take over their care and control them after the procedure was done. Um, so, sorry, Keanu. So uh, just uh, just a quick question. Um, uh, what you told me about, you know, that, you know, as, as the day uh, um, came, you know, came uh, as, as, it, as it approached, um, you were hoping that someone in your life would uh, would step in and uh, change your mind. Did you at any point communicate this to Dr. Tepper or uh, the other assessor? I wasn't hoping that someone would uh, step in. In fact, I, I heard it so much so mm -hmm. that it started to become a subliminal thought in my mind. Like, are they right? Are, are they saying this? And am I selfish to not actually acknowledge um, what they're saying? Is it selfish of me to, um, to kind of dismiss everything they have to offer, if they have anything to offer? So um, I had a meeting with my dad and my uncle who didn't really have a relationship with, but I, I requested for um, a substantial amount of money for the last 30 days, said that the date is set, time set, I want uh, $1,000 each day for the next 30 days to experience enjoyment. And even if it doesn't change my mind, at least I enjoyed the last days of my life. It wasn't in pain. It wasn't with grief. It wasn't suffering the whole way there. Um, but it was declined. Uh, my uncle and his brother declined and were not willing to assist me with anything regarding this application until my aunt and my mom got involved after discovering the email. They, um, they spoke to each other and said, 
because my aunt knew that I was very close to her at the time in September, the beginning of September, 2022. She knew that there was a music festival approaching, a three-day music festival that I really wanted to attend. The tickets, however, were very expensive and a part of that um, amount of money I, I requested, I was going to use for that weekend. Uh, so when everyone knew that the proof was there, it was very evident this is happening. Then surprisingly, my father said, hey, I got you a wristband for the concert. I was so shocked because he's very against um, the, the concerts and alcohol with the exposure to drugs, especially that I'm blind. Thought it'd be a very big risk for me to attend. So he got my sister involved as well. Uh, you, you know, applying for MAID is... Uh you know, the most difficult decision anyone can make in their life. Uh, did you feel that it was simply impossible, absolutely impossible to manage your type 1 diabetes and vision loss? Um, it obviously makes your life extremely challenging. Um, and, you know, n none of us can claim to, to know what you're going through. But the, the what you're going through is not in itself life-threatening, right? Well, to say the least, um, to say the least, I, I know it's a big decision. It's, it's grave. And all of the accommodations I need to have a life with enjoyment while sustaining the other aspects that life requires such as financial housing food to live a comfortable life i wasn't i wasn't being accommodated to the degree i see tolerable i was raised with a caregiver from the age of 12, I had a caregiver cooking and cleaning for me. I was very accustomed to um, eating off of a silver plate. And now more than ever, I needed that extra support in my life. Someone who can be my eyes and take charge of things that I was unable, unable to do. And the government, my family, especially my parents, were um, were not there for me when I called out. When I called them out on this help, I need caregiving support. And my mom is very um, resourceful with that, having two businesses to supply caregivers, even licensed caregivers in Ontario. She wasn't willing to provide me with that care. Uh, my dad has a substantial amount of money. He wasn't able to uh, fund a comfortable life. And after knowing that my life would be filled with not only pain, but um, I would be a burden onto myself and others having to live at my grandfather's house, 
whether I keep him company or not, he he doesn't he doesn't he's not required to drive anybody around anymore. He's done that with his four children and even with his grandchildren up until uh, you know they've all grown up and I'm grown up. However, I'm still demanding all these things from him, which is burdening him. So after realizing, especially after coming back from the, the best institute in the world, I knew that this would be my fate. I mean, there's nothing to look forward to uh, blind. I can't look past the, my arm's reach and see clearly. So everything just became so dull in my life and I, and I wasn't getting the help I asked for. Is that, is that why you're still seeking maid, Keanu? Well, yes, especially now because I feel subjugated to my conditions and um, people's desire to keep me around. Uh, you look healthy and you are good looking isn't a reason at all for me to suffer this much just just the fact that i don't have the willingness or pleasure to seek out a partner a female partner and um and social friends that in itself um is making it ever more difficult for me to see something different see a different outcome so I've been constantly trying to attend hospital emergency rooms, uh, requests were made from doctors who, I, who I've heard publicly offer MAID or have uh, done procedures with MAID. But again, my mom will follow me to the hospital. And um, again, safe false information to try to control the situation and control my decision. It's my own decision to make and no, no one, especially my, my family has given me a reason that it's going to get better because it's just gotten worse since September 22nd. There's been more safeguards and preventions against me accessing the medical care I desire. So these are interventions uh, from your mother, by your mother, and members of your family, or is it the medical profession as well? No, it's mostly my my family. Okay. It's my mom, her husband, who's the lawyer, had criminal proceedings with my dad, um, which an altercation was premeditated and provoked, um, and that results in a house arrest. I'm only allowed to leave for medical emergencies and I don't have proper legal representation until recently I've received a legal aid certificate. But I don't I don't see hope. The story of how you got denied made is something I wrote about last year uh, for the Free Press. Uh, you, you, you're an adult seeking maid, you were an adult seeking maid, and yet you weren't able to get it because your sister and your mother discovered these emails, um, where you had 
essentially been approved for MAID and your mother took to social media and, uh, and, and, and called up the doctor. And, and, and so he was forced to back off um, uh, from, from, from your case. Um, and, um, you know, so you're an adult seeking MAID. How did that make you feel that you had your mother intervening in this manner? Did you feel that your freedom of choice to make the choice you thought was right for yourself was somehow violated? It was very much violated. It's unconstitutional. And I don't think there's any, um, any history of this. So there's nothing really to work off of. There's no case law that says um, this is the procedure we take when this happens. It's also new uh, to everyone. and. I, I felt very abused, um, and especially after September 22nd passed, I felt very neglected by my family because they, they said, hey, we accomplished our goal. The doctor backed off, and Keanu's still here. And I said, well, now what? And no one was there to answer my, my calls for help. I requested for caregiving support. I requested for medicinal support because my medicines are not all free. Um, specifically, my insulin needles are not free. Medicinal cannabis is not free. Uh, transportation to my appointments is not free. And the government support I'm receiving is not sufficient. So when I turned to my family, the next of kin to the doctors or the government, I, I felt very much neglected and I, I felt unloved. I didn't feel love uh, when that happened. And still to this day, I, I'm requesting for caregiving support from my mother's two businesses. She's, she's unable to provide that for me. It, in fact, seems like I have to negotiate on the terms of my life when it's not in her hands to decide. It's not in anybody else's hands to decide other than my own. Um, I feel less than a person. I, I don't feel equal in society because this decision has been taken away from me unconstitutionally. I feel very violated to say the least. Um, at any point, did any of the medical professionals that you came in contact with, any of the counselors uh, who were involved in your case, uh, any, any of these people that you spoke to along the way, did any of them try to discourage you from going ahead with MAID? Uh, or, or did they encourage you, or for that matter, just remain neutral? Um, most of the time, it was neutrality but also discouragement um in seeing that in seeing my mother's actions and seeing a regular mother and son relationship anybody has they acknowledge their love that they have for their mother or the love they receive from their mother but it is far from my reality with my relationship and that's what hurts the most is because they're extremely 
misinterpreting my situation for theirs, it, it's so frustrating that even the slightest, the slightest resemblance to a mother and son relationship has an impact on someone's either ability to discourage or encourage. Nobody has ever encouraged me on this decision. And it's, it's frustrating that nobody is even assisting me with this decision. It's mainly because of the illegal injunctions that have been made and everyone feels threatened to help me accomplish this. It's, it's so sad. I'm very sad and it's ever more difficult to deal with these conditions when I have this at the back of my head all the time. Yeah, I mean, given what you've been through, uh, I wonder, Keanu, what would be your advice for anyone facing a difficult situation such as, such as yourself? Would you uh, encourage them to consider a maid, for example? Would you, or would you uh, maybe take a different approach with them and and encourage them to maybe, you know, try to get some family support or other kinds of support. Um, basically, if someone was in a bad state, a really bad state, mentally, emotionally, and physically, and they asked you for your advice, what would you tell them? Well, to start, I would, I would suggest, considering my family hasn't really been supportive of it, I would suggest treading very lightly when speaking of their decision to medical assistance in dying it's not um it's not widely accepted by popular belief it's it's un, it's inhumane and to that i would i would strongly suggest taking the right precautions when discussing this with people in your life and especially with your doctors to be very truthful because they are the only ones that can be neutral in this situation i was extremely honest and i i said things i never even uh i never even really knew about myself when when asked questions and it would just be a domino effect of truth after truth after truth you can't really get there with someone who you have already made some sort of um precautions when speaking with them so to start i would say be very cautious with those you love and those who love you um, because it's not, it's not very, uh, it's not taken very lightly. I would suggest to be very thorough in their care plan and their treatment with their doctors, being as honest as possible, not only to the doctors, but to themselves as well, trying to explore all possible remedies and treatments, even if that means um, going online anonymously and talking to, to others where you don't have to share your voice or your face, where you can feel more comfortable. 
then you can really understand if this is for you or it's just a phase. And mm. yeah, I think that's the best thing I can say as advice. Okay. Um, how optimistic are you, um, given that you still want to go through with MADE, how optimistic are you that uh, you, you would, you're going, you'll get approved sometime in the near future? Well, after going to the hospital recently in North York, Ontario, I was, uh, I was shot down basically my idea or my request was shot down because it's always circled back to uh, suicidal ideations. And yes, assisted death is a species of suicide, but it doesn't overtake all the other problems I or anybody is dealing with. It could be a consequential effect of someone's condition, but make no mistake, it's not the first thing to be treated. And that's where I felt like I was silenced. I felt like everything else, a part of my history was dismissed. And it was only focused on suicidal adulations. So now I'm very, I'm very optimistic. And that's really the only thing that's helped me treat my conditions now with insulin and my eye drops. It's really the only thing making me go forward because I've applied in a different country for volunteer assisted death where the laws are more liberal. And although it is not a funded program, it's not financially covered, I did receive a, um, I did receive an approval for a financial remedy to this procedure. I also wrote uh, about 50 pages of my life story and reasons why I want to die why I want an assisted death. And I'm very hopeful to attend that organization. So what, what country uh, is this, uh, Keanu? Switzerland. Switzerland, okay. Um, after calling the MAID coordination service mm. um, here in February, when I was connected with the nurse practitioner who's been in contact on my file, for years now since my first application she said it's it's it, your story is on the media on national television everybody in Canada has access to what had happened it's very unlikely that a doctor is going to assist you now considering all that your mother has said and done I felt so defeated when I heard that and I, I didn't eat for days I didn't care for my insulin for days it was so frustrating to hear that because in my own country with the charter and rights and freedoms we have as Canadians, I felt so violated to hear that. And I felt very dejected, very dejected to my life. 
I know I know things uh, haven't gone the way you hoped. Um, this is a final question for you. How how does it feel? Uh, how does it feel uh, to still be alive? Um, like I said, I feel very dejected. I feel very. Um, I feel pain, and I think of things immoral. Uh, I think of things very immorally. I don't have much care to maintain what I have now. Um, I've lost touch with humanity because I considered myself to die months ago. And since that didn't happen, my reaction to things are very careless, especially with my relationships and things that I say to people. Well, uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it's a challenging situation to be in. And, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that, um, you know, that you feel this way. But, um, Keanu, I want to thank you for your courage uh, coming on the show uh, in talking about something as difficult, as complex, and uh, as emotional as uh, medical assistance in dying. Um, I, I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I really wish you all the very best uh, on the path that you choose to follow. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Rupa. I appreciate your time and consideration along the way since we've been speaking for months now. Um, I appreciate your neutrality in this um, because I haven't had, I haven't really had anybody that uh, that sees eye to eye with me on this, on this decision I'm making. So thank you for your sensitivity. Thank you, Keanu. Uh, you take care.